Welcome to the Tiger for Life podcast, where we'll hear stories from Washingtonians from their favorite food at Waltz or the CAF to their favorite Tiger Tunes shows and professors. We'll also find out what they've been up to outside the famed Washita bubble. I'm your host, John Merriman, Washita's Director of Alumni Relations. Today on the Tiger for Life podcast is alumna Anna Lloyd from the class of 2000. Anna taught elementary music for years at various schools in Arkansas and earned her master's degree in educational administration and supervision in 2010 before becoming an assistant principal and now a principal. Anna currently serves as principal at Pulaski Heights Elementary in Little Rock, where she is known for her love of her kids, families, and teachers. Anna shares about leading through the pandemic, how she prepared to open her school for on-campus instruction, what she learned from surviving the crash of American Airlines Flight 1420 as a student, and her favorite Washita memory is like singing with Washita singers and decking her professor's yards at Christmas. All right, Anna Lloyd, welcome to the Tiger for Life podcast. Hey, John Merriman. Thanks for having me. This is so fun. Every time I've uh, been putting together questions, I have to say Anna Lloyd every time to remember to, <laughs> of, to put the other L in there. Of course. That was my little special name. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Anna Lloyd all the time. Fun. <laughs> so how are things in uh, Little Rock today? Uh, they're pretty good. I'm loving this uh, cooler weather, lower humidity. We're excited about fall coming, so they're good. Good. Um, now, I know you're a principal at Pulaski Heights Elementary, right? Yes. Yeah, tell us a little bit about your school, about your role there. Tell us about school. Uh, Pulaski Heights Elementary is the best school in the whole wide world. <laughs> um It is a small neighborhood school. We have about 285 students, so pretty small, kindergarten through fifth grade. We share um, some facilities with the middle school that's located right there with us, but our students remain separate from them. It is located in the Hillcrest community of Little Rock, which is super important to those people who live there. Um, And great community, great diversity in the school, super sweet kiddos, and best staff ever. I love it. Now, how long have you been at Pulaski Heights? I am starting my fifth year at Pulaski Heights. And uh, before this, I spent some time as an assistant principal at another school in the district. But uh, this is my fifth year at at the school. That's awesome. Five years. Um, I'm sure things are crazy. What is it like this fall at Pulaski Heights? I mean, what are your days looking like? Oh, it's it's so hectic. I don't think anyone in their right mind could have ever imagined that it was going to be like this. None of us were prepared for this. None of us imagined that our roles would change like they have. Um, I have about 65, 66% of my students who are doing virtual learning. So they're at home or in uh, learning pods, which have become very popular in this area. And um, then I have about, you know, the other 34% that are coming in person. So my, my classroom sizes are relatively small, but my teachers are having to provide instruction for both in-person and online learners simultaneously. So that's a a definite trick. (laughs) Yeah. I wonder what those percentages are like different places. Cause I feel like Arkadelphia might be completely flipped. Like it might be, you know, two thirds on campus and less uh, at home, but that's interesting. It absolutely is. It totally depends on the area and what's happening in that particular area, I think is part of it the safety fact factors. Um, and some schools in, in our district are split more 50-50. Overall, the district is about 50-50. Okay. But some of the elementary schools are 70% in person and 30% virtual. So it just, it sort of just depended on your school culture and what your parents felt comfortable with. Yeah. Wow. That's, 
that's a lot having to keep up with all of those kids doing, you know, virtual or in person. I can't even imagine. That's a lot. Um, what does it look like on campus uh, on a daily basis? How does it look different than it did, you know, in February pre pandemic? Well, I guess the big thing, of course, is that we're all masked all day long. Oh, the yeah. children, the adults, um, everyone is wearing a mask inside and outside when the kids go to play. Um, we're also doing a really uh, deep cleaning on a regular basis, some electrostatic spraying twice a week, um, you know, trying to keep kids apart is, is harder, especially for the littles. Um, but we have like kind of sectioned off our playground so that one class plays in one area one day and then they can rotate to a different area. But that way we're not the kids aren't mixing together. Right. Um, if we were to ever have like a positive case and that makes contact tracing much easier, if we know who's been together versus like, Oh, we played on the playground with four other classes and that's who knows, you know? <laughs> so that's helpful to us. Um, staff is doing a, a check in every day, health check in. They have to, you know, take temps and all of that, just staff only. And I mean, I would say those are the biggest changes, but that's sort of just the tip of the iceberg, kind of mm-hmm. what everyone expects to hear is that, oh, yes, we're wearing masks and, and being safe and keeping distance as much as possible. Yeah. What did it look like um, sending students home? I know that spring was just crazy and decisions were being made so fast, but what was the spring like for you as a principal? I mean, I I'm, I know that, you know, as a teacher, it's one thing just trying to stay afloat and keep things going. But as a principal, what was that like for you? Yeah. Um, so we were notified one afternoon at 1 p.m., that the students wouldn't be returning the following day. Ooh. And so it gave teachers and, and me, we, we release our students at 235. So what an hour and 35 minutes to get life together. Uh, let me just tell you, we were running around like chickens with our heads cut off. Um, and I don't think we, well, I know we did not anticipate at that time that we wouldn't come back. I'm, I mean, everybody just kind of picked up and left. We, we sent some things home with kids to work on in the interim, some paper packets. And that was, you know, a week before spring break. So it basically, we just thought we're going to have an extended spring break. We'll be back together. I don't, you know, I think everybody thought initially like it wasn't going to continue on as long as it has. Um, And so we started off just like, oh, here's this, here's this work to do at home. Call us if you have any questions. And we all picked up purses and bags and laptops and left and had no idea. And couldn't even fathom that we wouldn't be walking back in, you know, two weeks later, three weeks later. Mm-hmm. And it's, it just continued on. Um, so then of course that evolved over time. And I think teachers, if nothing else have been incredibly flexible during this time and had to, had to evolve as, as, as the changes and challenges approach them. But um, as a principal, I mean, it was just, it's so hard not to know the answer to questions. Mm-hmm. And with COVID, there's no way I can know the answer to those questions. I don't have, I don't have any special insight. Um, <laughs> and, and so like knowing that I don't know the answer, that's, that's hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I bet that's a difficult thing. How much of the decision-making, you know, as far as what was going to happen with students on the playground and all that, were you heavily involved in those plans or was it something that came down from on high? What did that look like? So the decision between like virtual and in-person learning that that's district decided. And, and some of that even comes at the state level, mm-hmm. the, the building level plans all came about from building administrators. So we were all given the autonomy to make the decisions that were best for our building because every building in Little Rock is different. Right. Plasky Heights elementary is in a building that's almost a hundred years old. 
and we don't even have central heat and air. This is, this is, I mean, we're way back in the day here. We got window units. We got a radiator in the base. I mean, a boiler in the basement radiator. So we're in a whole different vibe then, um, than some other schools, you know, and there's some great challenges that come with that, but then there's, I mean, it's a beautiful building and anybody who walks in says, um, you know, this looks like something out of a movie because it's just, it's just that dated and gorgeous. But uh, what I did was I put together a team of, of leaders in my building, teacher leaders and other people that, you know, parents that help make decisions. And we put together what we felt like was the safest plan for the, our building, just PHE. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, that's a lot to think through. I mean, I don't know if I would have thought about moving kids in the playground separately or whatever to, to worry about contact tracing, but that is so smart. Yeah. So, yeah, but you had a, a good team there. Um, I think it was on Facebook this summer that I saw you doing, or maybe in the spring, were you doing your announcements and things on Facebook? Is that what I saw? Oh, my gosh. You know, uh, lesson learned, don't start something you don't want to continue doing for three months because who had any idea that was going to happen? So bless their hearts, uh, Plasky Heights, when I got there and I, I started calling families and teachers and we talked about the great things that were happening over and over. What was mentioned to me was morning meeting. Okay. And we have this beautiful auditorium. Of course, we share it with the middle school, but we have this beautiful auditorium, um, gorgeous seats. I mean, it's just it's I've never been in an elementary school that had an auditorium, right? Like stage, yeah. the whole the whole gig. And every morning they go in there and meet the whole school. And they do the pledge and the national anthem and the school song and birthdays and the lunch menu and, you know, all of those special things that schools usually do over intercoms or that's what they did back in the day when I was in elementary school, we had an intercom. Right. And um, then, you know, some schools now have switched to like TV, you know, recorded mm-hmm. videos or whatever, but um, they all meet together and do this in the morning. And it was super important to the school culture. So I kept it because I heard from everyone how important it was. Well, then when we went virtual, it's like, oh gosh, what are, how can we connect with these families that are home? So I said, well, I'll do Facebook live morning meeting at nine o'clock every day. And I did <laughs> at nine o'clock every day. And um, some days were harder than others. You know, it was really interesting when I think the hardest day was when the governor said that we weren't going back for the spring. Mm-hmm. And the next morning I had to get on and do morning meeting knowing I'm not going to be able to hug these kids again, you know? um, until it's safe. And so I got on and it was emotional and the school song and everybody was messaging like we're crying, but it was one of the best ways I think that we stayed connected. Um, the first week we did morning meeting, we had like a thousand views every day on the video and I don't even have that many kids. So (laughs) I don't know who was watching. Evidently John Merriman's watching (laughs) pure entertainment, right? And, um, it's funny as I go, if I go back and look at it, I can see like when we started, I was still trying to figure out how to work the technology and where to place the the camera, you know, and all of that. And it got so comfortable there at the end because it went on for so long. And I was like, <laughs> at the end, I was like, am I putting on makeup today or not? You know, what am I doing here? <laughs> yeah. I saw that and was just so impressed because I mean, I knew you were in education and I think i I think we probably talked about the last time we saw each other that you were a principal, but I was like, that is impressive. Like you're doing big things and you're, you know, doing the announcements and the pledge and all that. And it was like, it was kind of idyllic. I mean, I know that your school is also like, you know, picturesque and like what we remember school looking like, you know, but I just thought that is so impressive and just loved watching that. So 
kudos to you on the. Oh, uh, yay. Thank you. Well, we also did some other fun things. We did virtual field trips. I have a teacher who has a husband that's a police officer and we went on a tour of the horse barn where they keep the horses. You know, we tried to be creative at that point and come up with ways to engage families when they were so far away from us. Mm-hmm. So I'll, I'll give a shout out to my team here too. Yeah. What do the morning meetings look like now? I mean, I'm assuming you can't all be in the auditorium or can you with a smaller number? We're not doing morning meetings um, in the auditorium at all. And we're trying to find another creative way. We, d- we hate to do them for just the in-person learners right. and not, not provide that opportunity for the kids who are at home. So we're trying to find some way to meld those together. Um, and we could do some videos. It, like I said, it gets pretty time consuming. Um, you know, if you're a perfectionist then you re-record a video, if you feel like you messed up and so, <laughs> um, so we definitely, you know, are still working out those kinks. Yeah. What were some other pivots that you had to do in the spring? Like, I didn't really know the full story, but tell me about like the running that you were doing and mentioning your kids. Like, tell us some of the other pivots that you made, uh, this spring and summer. Okay. So the running story is hilarious. I, I have a colleague at another elementary school in Little Rock and, He's at a large school. There's like a thousand kids over there. So he, um, starting in May was like, I'm running for my fifth graders, you know, fifth grade, um, is the end of our elementary years. And so usually we have field trips and picnics and promotion ceremonies and, you know, all of those things that just like high school seniors, the kids were missing out and it felt like they were, we weren't honoring them. And so he started to run a mile for every one of his fifth graders. Now I think he had like 150 or something. It was obnoxious. Number. Wow. And he's also PS he's healthy. And you know, mine was a whole different struggle story, but um, I thought, Oh, that's a great idea. And then I could have kind of stood on the fence for a couple of days. Like, is this really, do I want to commit to doing this? Because once I start it, I've got to do it for every child and you know, time is a wasting. Yeah. And I did. I felt like that was just a great way to honor the kids. So I started out doing a mile a day. I take a picture, post it on our site and just, you know, this mile is for, you know, these two students or this mile is for these, these three miles are for these three kids. Mm-hmm. And, um, they really, it was like a big deal to them. You know, it's, it's funny. Sometimes we as adults go over the top when we're thinking about, um, providing, you know, something for, for others. Like, you know, when we're throwing a party, we clean the house, we decorate, we get out the plates that match and all of that. And, and kids are so much easier to please because they just want to be acknowledged. And so they don't care if the plates match. They don't care if you're running a mile at eight minutes, like my colleague or at 20 minutes, like me, you know, just they were acknowledged and it was super important to them to be acknowledged. Yeah. Did you get to see that class at all again? I mean, were they able to come back by or anything? We did a, a drive by drive through graduation event where they came by. We handed them a diploma through the window, mask up, gloves on, you know, the whole gig. Um, so I got to see most of them. They were a special little group. Uh, they, they gave us, you know, some challenges along the way and their parents were excited and you know, welcomed all of, all of the things that we did for them, even in the pandemic. So it it was fun, but I certainly don't feel like we had the perfect closure like we always do. Right. Definitely. Now, you know, I have a mole in your school now that um, Nora Dosey is in uh, first grade at Pulaski Heights. So um, 
I, the first day that Nora came to school and Jesse saw your car, I don't know, did she tell you that she saw the washdraw plate and just freaked out? And she's like, who else has got a kid coming to school here? And then she realized it was you and you were the principal. And she was like, <laughs> <laughs> um, so she uh, helped me reach out to some of your parents and your uh, fellow teachers and get some uh, comments about you. And I'm going to share some of those with you. Are you serious? Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. Good ones. Okay. So one says, Miss Lloyd is passionate about learning, creates activities and opportunities that build community and expand the minds of all PHE students. We love her energy and miss her hugs. So I know yes. hugs are probably hard. Are you able to connect with, how are you doing the, the hugs and, and love moments now in this era? Possibly the biggest challenge personally for me is that because I do feel like that's such a great way to connect with kids who are comfortable with it. You know, there are always some kids who are like, eh, back up, you know, and we respect that certainly. But um, I'm a hugger. I grew up a hugger. My mom is a hugger. You know, we just mm -hmm. hug people. And right now you can't even see people's smiles. They can't even see my. So I just keep like opening my eyes really wide. Like, here I am. I love you. So I'm, I'm using words. And while I don't feel like they're as effective as actions, I just keep saying them. I'm so glad you're here. You, you're, you're smart. You look great today. I hope you have a great day. I love you. I care about you. Do your best. I keep just using those words of affirmation to try to connect with kids. And I think it's working. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, I just can't imagine having to go from one to the other. I'm sure you're like waiting for the governor to say, all right, mask off, everybody hug. Like I'm sure. Yes. <laughs> waiting on that day. For sure. Group uh, hug at PHE. <laughs> yeah, I love this one. Hopefully I won't get in trouble for one of these words, but um, this person said, Miss Lloyd is a calming presence. All right. I was thinking, yeah, uh, college Anna and now teacher Anna, principal Anna, you are a calming presence. That's awesome. <laughs> that's, that's a little surprising. I don't know that anyone's ever called me. I can be in the moment. I, I certainly can be. Yeah. It says you're a calming presence. They've never seen you flustered, like not once. And that's not easy when you're around children all day. So she says you're caring and generous. And I honestly believe she would give a kidney to any student or student's family member if they asked. She's right. I don't know and who that, that is, but she's right. Yeah. And here's uh, the part that I might have to censor, you know, being at Washtaw, but uh, okay. she busts her butt for our school and has such respect for both our teachers and staff members. Mm. That's so kind. Uh, I, I, yeah, I mean, I, definitely I work hard. Maybe we'll change those words to work hard. Yes. There you go. I love that. All right. Here's one from a specific mom. <clears throat> we came to PHE, Miss Lloyd's first year at PHE from a small Christian private school in first grade. Our son was used to getting hugs and love from his teachers. And during open house, we introduced ourselves and explained it was our first year at the school too. It was a concerned mom concerned that it would be a difficult transition to a bigger public school where teachers may not necessarily hug him. She assured us that she could give love just as well as any other teacher. Our son still looks forward to his love for Miss Lloyd. Now I'm worried that in his last year, uh, he may have to sneak next door from middle school to get love. Uh, Miss Lloyd is an amazing principal. Oh my gosh. Are you trying to make me cry today? Oh yeah. And me too. I'm going to get Missy too. Uh, I think you're a pretty good principal. It sounds like. I've got one more for you. Okay. Um, Miss okay. Lloyd is a warm and she's warm and loving to her students. She's a great leader for her teachers. She's been especially supportive of her teachers during this crazy time and has been so good at communicating with parents. 
which is important. She's compassionate and strong at the same time. We love and appreciate her so much. Wow. Those all go in the happy file. We tell, I tell teachers all the time, start a happy file. And those little love notes you get from kids are worth a million dollars. And, um, when you're having a bad day, I've got one in my drawer, I pull it out and I'm like, Oh my gosh, remember when this kid thought I was amazing, you know? Um, and, and I think, uh, gosh, what an honor for them to say those things about me. Yeah. You know, when we were at school, we used to get those good stuff boxes. I think they were like, they had deodorant and things that we were supposed to be using as college students, you know? Um, but I had a good stuff box that I, you know, had used all the things in there. So we put all my like happy notes and stuff in there, still have those good stuff boxes. Um, but yeah, so it sounds like you are doing a fantastic job and, and pretty loved over there. So wanted to pass those along. I also oh, heard you. from your, um, your PTA president, I guess that's um, a good friend of Jesse's and she helped kind of collect some of these things too. So. Oh, so nice. I love them. I'm telling you best community, fantastic people. Awesome. Uh, what do you enjoy most about being a principal? I know that you've you know been in various kind of roles, but is there something you've enjoyed most about having that principal kind of role, either with kids or teachers? Well, I, I mean, I certainly love um, the kids and I don't think that I can't imagine going into another career or setting where I didn't have contact with kids on a regular basis. Um, they bring such, uninhibited joy to the environment. And in fact, when we started school this year, I was like, finally, I hear giggling, you know, there's just nothing like a child's laugh. Um, so that that's phenomenal. I also really think it's important to have strong leaders in buildings that will support their teachers and provide them with what they need to be successful. And I think a lot of times we forget, um, how much, of themselves, teachers pour in to their work on a daily basis. And so one of the things that's really important to me and that I find makes me feel good is giving to my teachers, Mm. whether that's giving them some extra time, giving them a happy, you know, thank you for all you're doing note or providing them lunch just throughout, um, throughout the day, throughout the year, providing support for those teachers is all is really meaningful to me. I didn't put this on your questions ahead of time, but thinking about, you know, apparently how much that you love kids and love giving hugs when you can and all that kind of thing. Um, how do you handle difficult moments? I mean, I, I had to go to the principal a few times, you know, as an elementary kid, mostly, you know, excessive talking on my uh, scorecard there. But um, what does that look like for you? Is it how do you handle those difficult conversations and, and kind of discipline things with kids? Well, I, you know, first of all, I'm an incredibly structured type A personality. So, um, that, that took some working for me. It was, it's very different from managing a class of 25 to handling one when they come in and they're a mess, you know, or they've been in trouble for something. I will say the, the very first thing I try to do is to get to the root of the problem because yes, while John Merriman may be talking incessantly, it might be because no one at home is talking to him. And so when he comes to school, he has a lot to say because he's not being heard at home. Or it could be that, um, you know, Emily is really angry. And so she threw a pencil across the room today. And when we sit down and talk about it, what's she angry about? Well, she didn't eat breakfast and she's starving. And we all know what that's like to, to be hungry. 
So I try to kind of weave in the empathy while still upholding the expectation of this is what we're here for. This is it's your behavior is important. It matters. Um, I, I don't want to jinx myself because we're it's pretty early in the year, and you know, I, you know, it could all go downhill tomorrow. Uh, but I don't, I don't typically have a whole lot of discipline issues, um, few and far between, and I, I just try to handle them the way I would handle an adult. Mm-hmm. Yep. Because we've got to teach kids how to behave as much as we do anything else. You know, we don't come into the world knowing how to stand in a line. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's something that's learned behavior. And so when we start talking about, okay, we've got to get in line. Oh, you're too close together. You know, then we put stickers on the floor to help them spread out mm-hmm. um, or keep the mask over your nose. I try to give them the reason for that. It keeps us all safe. Um, you know, it's important. My job is to keep you all safe. And I tell them that frequently. Yeah. Um, how do you feel like Washtop prepared you for your career in education? I don't, I don't know if I know exactly your path, like, from school, you know, onto your career. Tell us about that and tell us how you feel like Washtaw kind of prepared you for that. Well, I was at Washtaw for music education. So I, I mean, just incredible education. When I look back, I can't imagine having gotten that education anywhere else. Um, you know, incredible, obviously music classes and music education classes, but then also from the education department itself. Um, Music education majors then, I don't, I'm sure this is still the case, we graduated with more hours than probably anyone else because we had to have all the music classes and all the education classes. So it, it was a bunch all mixed together. Um, and professors along the way that were really um, overly equipped to deal with and support us as learners and provided multiple opportunities to observe other educators and to see what that looked like. So when I graduated, I had a music education degree. And when I got ready to student teach, I student taught some in primary at, at Parrot Elementary uh, with Tammy White. Um, and so I student taught there. But then we also had to do a secondary um, part, 7th through 12th grade is what I did at Goza and Arkadelphia High School. Mm-hmm. And um, so we're certified K-12 when we graduated, which is phenomenal. And I went into student teaching thinking high school is my jam. You know, I'm sarcastic. <laughs> I've got a little edge, you know, and, and I did the primary first and I loved every second of it and went to the secondary placement. And not that I didn't love it, but it just didn't feel the same. Um, and certainly I could communicate differently with a 12th grader than I could a five-year-old, but I also looked like I was 15. So that, that was a challenge, you know? Um, but I just like, I was like, oh, wow, I could really do this elementary thing. And so I started teaching elementary music and I've taught, um, I taught at three different schools before I found a home and that I loved and, uh, fit in well. And I taught there for seven or eight more years. And then, um, started my master's degree to be a school administrator. And then I spent uh, four years being an assistant principal at a school here in Little Rock before this last job at Pulaski Heights Elementary. That's awesome. Did you take uh, teaching elementary music with Cindy Fuller? John Merriman, you know I did because, you know, that's where the recorder came from. (laughs) I think we were in the same class. 
So, you know, that's where the recorder thing started. I guess I'm going to, I'm glad that this is not, that there's no video to go along with this, but you know, Anna Lloyd has a hidden talent and that hidden talent would be that I can play a recorder with my nose. Oh, we should, we should bring it to the podcast. Well, everyone at Washita has seen that because we did it at a spoof recital when we were working on Beethoven symphony. Do you remember that in concert choir we were doing, uh, Okay. So at this, yeah, in German. Yeah, I can remember the German word. It's been a long time. Um, and so at this, <laughs> I can remember them, but I will butcher them. At the uh, spoof recital, we did variations, and I think somebody did like a like a country version. Anyway, I played the recorder with my nose on stage at Washita Baptist University oh, in a spoof recital. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious yeah I still you know I wasn't a music I dropped my music major but still had to figure out a music minor and so took teaching elementary music with uh with Cindy Fuller and took worship in the Christian tradition with Dr. Fuller I mean just some great classes but I love that elementary music class I went over to Henderson and got to use the what was it the Ellison machine or whatever that little die cuts and make <laughs> <laughs> those were fun times yes um, how did you hear about Washta? Did you just know about Washta growing up or how did you hear about it and what made you choose Washta for school? Well, I went to music camp at Washita for as an elementary age child. I had a fantastic uh, choir director at uh, Park Hill Baptist Elementary, Marianne Salmon. And um, she uh, took us down there to choir camp. I don't, I don't think that's what it was called, but for some reason, the name's not coming to me. Anyway, um, I went for the first time in fourth grade, went home, looked at my mother and said, I will be attending Washtenaw Baptist University. And she said, okay, dear, you know, like whatever. Both of them are University of Arkansas graduates, you know, okay. diehard Razorbacks. We ended up moving to Fayetteville and I graduated from Fayetteville High School, but I never planned anywhere else. I didn't make one other visit. I don't even know what other universities existed outside of that one because I was I'd never changing my mind. Um, and I, I kind of operate like that. Once I get my mind set on something, it's done. So I Washita was, was my school from the beginning. I love it. Um, you know, I had uh, Barrett Baber on the podcast and we visited a good bit. You know, it's uh, Emily teases me that I, I really just wanted to have a podcast to talk to my friends uh, for a while, which <laughs> has been a super fun part of it. And uh, it's also really challenging when I get a guest that I don't know, because I really want to panic because I just feel so comfortable uh, with all my friends. But, um, you know, as some may know about, you know, new Barrett story, new little bit of my story. And um, some might not know that you were, you know, on the plane as well on flight 1420 fellow survivor. And, um, you know, just like I talked with Barrett, like, we won't go into all the details of all that. And people can Google that and see our pictures and all the, <laughs> all the things. But, um, it's just affected my life in such a huge way. I mean, of course, some negatives and some difficult things and PTSD that I didn't know existed and those kind of things. But I feel like I also took away some positive things as well. And I wondered if you had any takeaways that um, the crash, how it might have affected the way that you live or work in a positive way. Um, are there things you can see coming out of it that this changed me, but it's really affected my life in a, in a positive way? Yeah. So yeah, definitely um, a life-changing event uh, more, more than anything else. I think one of the first things that comes to mind is how 
completely oblivious I was to life and death and how close they are together Mm -hmm. Um, and how, how quickly things could change. I certainly grew up in what most would deem, and I would say a a very privileged home environment. Um, And, and by the time that that happened, I mean, I'd only experienced one relative, close relative that had passed away. So Mm -hmm. I hadn't even experienced grief on that level. Um, So one of the things I think that was good is that because Washita is what it is, it gave me a safe place mm-hmm. to experience what happened in the aftermath. Um, if I had been somewhere else, if I had been, you know, at another university, uh, I don't know, even just out in the world, I don't know the support system wouldn't have been there. And this, it wouldn't have been a safe place in which to continue operating in that horrific place that we were all in. Mm. And so, you know, I really, I value that. And I think at school, I tried to then create a safe place for my kids. Mm -hmm. Kids, kids that come to school don't, don't have necessarily the privileges that I grew up with and they experience loss and grief much earlier than I could have ever imagined. And so I always want to be a safe place for my, for my kids and my families. Mm -hmm. And it's at the forefront of my mind as I operate through the day is, is what I'm doing safe for kids is what I'm doing safe for my staff. Um, I want them not just physically safe, but emotionally safe, Mm -hmm. because I think that's a huge piece of it. And, and I think that probably comes from as a result of 1420, um, I would, I would also probably say that empathy is not, was not a strong suit of mine and still isn't just phenomenal. I'm just not the best at like feeling sorry for other people, but with children, it's made that, that empathetic part of my brain function so much better because I can relate in some way to grief or sorrow or sadness or hurt or anger or frustration, all of those things that, to be honest, I didn't have to experience as a child or even as a teenager. Um, So it opened that up. I would also say that um, mental health, I think in our country is, especially at that time was just not talked about very much. Mm -hmm. And, and I might go a step further and you can edit this out if you want to, to say that in our Christian culture, mental health has not always been supported. And that's one of the things that I push hard is that if you need help, you get it. Mm-hmm. If you need a pair of glasses, you go to the eye doctor. Yes, God gave us pastors and, the, and, and we have people who, in the church who will pray for us and support us. But when you need mental help, there are people that are trained to deal with that. And please reach out, please contact. I know there's a lot of people right now struggling. Um, because this has been such a challenging time. And I just, I keep saying to people, if you need mental health support, let me help you find someone. Let me connect you with somebody. Good. And I do think you're right. That Washtenaw was a safe place for that. I mean, they, from that crash retreat, we had, you know, a month after the crash and had counselors and all these people and we were all a wreck, but they, they really took good care of us and, you know, gave us resources to, uh, to process through everything. I remember going to that, that, NTSB hearing and some of the other survivors didn't have that support and they, you know, were really struggling and some of us had been able to take a couple steps forward. 
Yeah. And I was probably, if we're being totally honest, I was probably the last one to step forward of anyone. Um, and I struggled longer than some other people did, but that was in part because I waited to get the mental health help that I needed. Hmm. And I kept thinking, I'm okay. It's going to be okay. I'm fine. I can handle it. You know, all of those things that we think, and I didn't even realize what was happening and how bad it was um, until finally somebody that I love looked at me and said, girl, you've got to, you got to get some help here, sister. Um, and once I did, not that it was easy, but it did feel like then there was some progress there. Um, so always, always reach out for, for help. Yeah. As you were talking about school and taking care of kids and, you know, all that, I just kind of, kind of pictured a little bit of that moment in the field of like gathering and sheltering and all of that, like protecting your kiddos. I can see that that's something that that is a passion of yours. And it's definitely noted by these, these parents and stuff that you, you care for them and want to protect them. That's sweet. Um, talking a little bit about Washtaw and about uh, your time there. We have this fast fave five section, just kind of get some uh, thoughts about five different questions about Washtaw and they kind of change depending on the person. But uh, first, who was your favorite professor? Ah, only one. You can have a couple. Uh, definitely Dr. Fuller's right there at the top. Um, not just because of what we went through together as a group, but also just because of who he is as a, as a human being. Amazing. And Mrs. Fuller is right there with him as my voice teacher. And so we had plenty of time after the crash to grieve together, but also just all of the things she taught me. Mm -hmm. Um, But I would also throw in there Dr. George Keck, just out of pure entertainment purposes. (laughs) Like, I mean, he just entertained me on a regular basis. I didn't do well in the class, but I was totally entertained the whole time. Yeah, I didn't do well either. I think I burned all of those notes immediately after and then changed my major. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was tough, but he was a character for sure. Um, favorite class? Was there a, a class that you really enjoyed during your time? Washington Singers, hands down. Yeah. Pre, pre-plane crash, post-plane crash, all of it, hands down. The first time we, as a freshman, when uh, I went in for rehearsal, I don't know that I sung one note because my mouth was on the floor. <laughs> just amazed by the sound these people were producing. I was just like, how in the world did I end up in this space? I do not belong here. You know, totally uh, overshot the mark on this one here, Anna. What was, what were you thinking? Um, and I think about a month in, Dr. Fuller came to me and said, you plan on singing anytime soon? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know he knew, like I was just lip singing up there. Oh my gosh, these people are amazing. Total talent, total amazement just incredible people and sound. And I, I had never experienced anything like it. And it's still like to this day, when I listen to that very first CD that we did, mm-hmm. my, my, the hair on my arm stands up. Like I, it's just incredible. Yeah. I love that. I feel the same way. I always say it must've been a bad year for guys at Washita when I came through and, you know, we're working on tiger tunes, this rewind thing we're doing. And so one of the songs, I mean, there's only four people on stage cause we have to be 12 feet apart unmasked. And we've got people from different majors, more, more theater kids than music kids. They're 12 feet apart and they're the only one on their part singing these songs. And I think I couldn't have done it like without Luke bellering next to me, the part, I don't know if I would have found it. <laughs> there were a lot of times I was just like, eh, I'm going to wait and slide into whatever this guy's doing over here. But yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Etta. Thank you, Sarah Stanley. Like I could name all the people in the alto section that were really helpful to me. 
then when he mixed us up and we were standing next to other people, I was like, oh, I'm really in trouble now. I got to stand by a base. Like what? <laughs> I love it. That's awesome. Um, what about a least favorite class? Did you have one that you particularly never wanted to ever experience again? Uh, yeah, you know, as an educator, I'm hesitant to say that, uh, just because I don't want to offend anybody whose like beliefs are, you know, rooted in the Western civilization history or whatever that class was that I was like, this is a purity nightmare. I have no idea what's happening in here. I have like, I, I don't know. Like, I don't, am I supposed to be reading this book? Because is it in English? It just, <laughs> yeah, that definitely was the class that I struggled with. Yeah, I think it was called Western Thought and Culture at the time. Uh, yeah, Hot Mess Express yeah. is what it was for Anna. <laughs> oh, yeah, I that was a struggle for me too. Um, can you think back to your time here? Was there a favorite song or a favorite performance that you really remember as like, this was my the favorite time I was able to perform at Washtenaw? I know there's so many. Craig Courtney songs just just come flying out at me. All the Craig Courtney songs, all the feels around those. Um, I don't know that I could even pick one performance place because they were all just amazing. Um, yeah, I can't. Let's see. All Craig Courtney songs. Let's just let's just go there. All Craig Courtney songs are good. We're golden. I also loved when we did the spirituals. The other thing I really enjoyed was when we started doing the. December program that wasn't festival of Christmas. Yeah. Lessons and carols. That one. Yeah. Um, it felt intimate and special with the right amount of high church songs that are, you know, really meaningful. Mm -hmm. I liked those. It's good. Yeah. Craig Courtney. I mean, how on earth did he write all that stuff? It's like all my favorites. Mm -hmm. All of them. Amazing. Um, do you have a favorite spot on campus? You know, I, I ask a lot of our guests this, but um, is, do you have a favorite place on campus that you like love when you come back or any place like that? So when I did the official tour, which I don't even know why I did a tour because I was already coming and it, I think it may have been tied around like my scholarship audition. But when I did the tour, this, I don't even know who it was, but she took me to the recital hall and the performance or, performing arts center. Mm -hmm. And I remember standing on both of those stages and thinking, I'm going to sing here. Um, and still to this day, like the recital hall is just special. Mm -hmm. Um, it just, it's, it's so special. All of those memories that are wrapped up in there. So I loved being in there. Yeah. That mustard curtain or whatever, you know, it's from the seventies, a special place. <laughs> it's special. special. Yeah. We love still being on campus and able to, you know, go to some singers concerts once in a while. Now they're going to be mostly outdoor. I think the singers concerts, but uh, while we deal with COVID, but yeah, I definitely agree. That's a special spot for sure. Do you have any, like a one or two favorite Washington memories? You know, is there a certain thing that you really enjoyed or any memories that stand out? Um, I mean, what, I mean, what an amazing time, like to narrow it down to one or two is this tough the, the first thing that I think about is kind of the hijinks that we got involved in. And please know that I was not responsible for all of this activity and my brain was not fully developed. So I didn't always make the best decisions. <laughs> um, and if anybody is out there listening, who's a current student, don't do this. Uh, one year we, as a little music group decided we were going to decorate the front yards of the uh, music professors. And 
basically we found out that they had a Christmas party every year at Dr. Wright's house. And so they would all be at Dr. Wright's house during this time. And we went to like the dollar store and Walmart. I don't even know. Poor college students. We got the ugliest stuff we could find. And we decorated all of the yards, the Kecks, the Fullers, the Seacrests, um, like all of the yards. And we did a little something extra special for the Kecks because we were obnoxious, basically. And we put a uh, toilet seat <laughs> on the doorstep and we had written like, here comes Santa Claus on it. I don't know what we were thinking. Anyway, um, so one of my friends who shall remain nameless might have been the brain behind it. But when she went into her private lesson with Dr. Wiedekeck the next week, there was the toilet seat sitting on the piano bench. So I think like those fun things that were so, um, you know, brought us together as little family groups, that, those, that kind of stuff stands out. Of course, again, please do not decorate my yard, um, students. I'm good. Uh, the other things that, you know, jump out are like twerp week, how fun that was, um, going to Tiger Tunes. I was, I went to like all of the basketball and football games, I think. I'm a big sports fan. And so I enjoyed those, certainly. Yeah, that all of that. And when, remember when Chick-fil-A opened, like that was a huge deal. I think I ate Chick-fil-A every day for six months. I did. I don't eat it as much here because I ate it literally every day. And, you know, we had a lot of big openings while we were here. We had, I mean, Chick-fil-A opened. The, remember, were you here when the, um, the, the big super Walmart opened? Yes, it was open 24-7. We <laughs> were out there at like one o'clock in the morning because we could be. Yeah, and I the per- Cracker Barrel. Yeah, I performed on a trailer with the Washtaw Sounds at the opening of the Walmart. That's hilarious. Yeah. And when Cracker Barrel opened, like that was a big deal. Like all of those things were huge. Yeah. So fun. I mean, it was the the best time, you know, it's just gone downhill from there. (laughs) I I mean, I don't think, I don't think when you're there in the moment, you realize how special everything is until you've left. And then you're like, oh man, I miss that. Or I miss this group of people, or I miss singing with a group of people who sound like professionals. Um, you know, all of those things kind of come back. And some of the greatest memories of my life are the time that I spent at Washington. That's awesome. I hope students are having as much fun as we had, um, our current students, because, you know, when Candace was on, she was telling all these stories and all these hijinks. And I think, you know, I hope people are making some memories out there right now. <laughs> I mean, what are you doing if you're not? Like, you know, I guess now they can go, you know, to Walmart or other places that are open now that didn't exist when we were there. <laughs> we created our own form of entertainment. I love it. Anything else you want to say to wash off friends and family out there listening today? Well, I do want to say one more thing. And I should have mentioned this earlier. I um, always love when I get the opportunity to interview a Washington student for a job. One of the things that I have found while I've been doing this job and even as an assistant principal is Washita students by far are better prepared, more well-rounded and interview exceptionally well and to then follow through with doing an excellent job. Hmm. So anybody out there who's graduating soon, who's looking for a job and teaching, you know, feel free to yell at me, holler at me. I'll be happy to help. Um, I offer interview practices for, for students who are graduating. I, um, you know, have some student teachers in my building right now from another university and I'm providing them support with their resume. So anybody who needs any help, 
feel free to holler at me and I will, I will do what I can to help you find a job in, in a fabulous school. That is awesome. We appreciate that so much, you know, especially in this time, it's, it's hard to get out there and find a job and you can get work with everything in, uh, up in the air. So um, appreciate you offering that help. That's sweet. You know, career and calling, we share a wall with the career and calling office. So uh, we work really well together and we really try to help our alums find jobs. So. And what, it, I mean, what an amazing job they do. Cause I've seen the job rate after graduation is, is incredibly high for Washita students. And it's because of the education that they're getting there because of the preparation, um, because of the way that they learn and, and are able to then turn that into a real world experience. So Awesome. Well, uh, Anna, thank you so much for taking time. I know every day is so busy and so much stress and you're exhausted from wearing a mask and everything and the stress of taking care of all these kiddos and teachers. But uh, I just want to tell you how proud I am of you and of the difference you're making in the lives of kids and uh, how you've um, grown and just are out there killing the game uh, in education. So super proud of you, impressed by you, and um, I'm just thankful for the impact that you make and look forward to the time that we can hang out some more six feet apart and, uh, and, and reconnect. So again, thank you for being on here. We appreciate you so much. Thank you, John Merriman. All my love to you. All my love. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to the Tiger for Life podcast. Be sure to rate and subscribe so you won't miss out on future episodes.